Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cypress Bible Church. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing some songs together. This first one, um, it's really ministered to me this week. I don't know if you guys are going through anything um, at your work or if family situations, but I just encourage you today as we sing this song to just cast all your cares on the Lord. This is uh, the battle belongs to the Lord. So let's uh, sing this together. to fear now for I am safe with you so when I fight I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high oh God the battle belongs to you every fear I lay at your feet I sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to If you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus is nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Thank you, God. Nothing can stand against 
Good morning, Cypress Bible Church. I'm uh, Tony Svensson, the Go Pastor. Uh, so certainly the, the battle belongs to the Lord, and, and we are, as a church, we're, we're battling uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to make sure that the light of Jesus extends beyond these buildings, this building, and into our community and to the ends of the earth. And so we want to make sure that you're aware of the, the many opportunities you have to serve. Uh, in the ministries of Cypress Bible Church. And so this week you're going to be receiving an email from the Go Ministry. Uh, we're building out teams within the Go Ministry, and there's many opportunities. Uh, we're getting to launch, ready to launch a Vietnamese ministry. We've already launched the Creole ministry. Uh, we've got many opportunities, and so look forward to seeing how you respond to that. Uh, we also have um, many opportunities for you to serve in the kids' programming, and so you'll see some of these flyers out in the hallway. And uh, so pick some of those up. Those are some events that we have going on over the summer. Uh, also wanted to acknowledge as we, as we serve uh, around the globe, we uh, support a lot of missionaries. And so the Eberleys uh, are going to be with us this morning, and you can meet them in the commons area. They're coming off of the field. They're semi-retiring. He's going to be a uh, math professor, and um, Lucia will continue to serve with Dorcas Widows. So we want to thank them for their service. We've supported them for over 30 years. So uh, just a tremendous couple, and so you'll have an opportunity to meet them. Uh, so you're probably sitting here this morning uh, and thinking to yourself, you mentioned some kids' opportunities in serving, so you're probably saying, I I how can I serve, right? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Well, we've got a video for you uh, to explain more about how you can serve in the kids' ministry. things in kids' life this summer. Early kids' life is learning how kids can be strong and courageous with Jesus. First through fifth grade is exploring the armor of God as we enjoy worship and videos and small groups all together in the gym. We have special events for kids and families, but we can only do this if we have volunteers who are ready to invest in our kids. We want to stay open this summer. We don't want to close any classes. 
but we can only do this with appropriate staffing. We have at least 100 children on campus every Sunday, and we need about 20 adults and many students to help kids become more like Jesus. So, will you join our team? Stop by our table in the comments and pick up more information. Would you stand with us again as we sing a couple more songs? Praises rising, eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Stirring hearts are yearning for you. We long for you. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Wash away Jose.
of our daughters here. This is kind of father-daughter day, except for Trenton. He's not our daughter. But, uh, <clears throat> but we needed a drummer, so. But uh, anyway, we're going to sing together again. As morning dawns and evening fades songs of praise that rise from earth to touch your heart and glorify your name. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name Nations sing loud, cause nothing has the power to save but your name. Jesus, in your name we Today, Lord, give. 
to the cross. Lord, no matter what we've been going through this week, no matter what we've been, our lives have been on the path towards, God, I pray that you would uh, be real today in our lives, mending our broken hearts, God, drawing us to yourself. Lord, if we've strayed in some way, God, help us to repent of our sins, forgive us, Lord, and we want to turn back to you, God. We just thank you for all these things. In your name we pray. You can be seated. My uh, dad was a pastor, and uh, when I was in graduate school, he uh, suddenly got a back problem so severe that he was basically bedridden. So here was the strongest, toughest man I ever knew who was basically immobile for a couple of weeks. And uh, it was so bad that he had me preach for him one weekend. And my sermons were so bad that the following week he crawled out of bed and preached from a chair. One bad part of the body can take down the whole body can be much uh, less significant part of the body as well. Two different times I've broken one finger. And uh, it kept me from doing a lot of different things. One is it kept me from playing the trumpet for a while. Some said my band instructor broke my finger. That is an absolute lie. But uh, it kept me from typing and... and uh, Tying my shoes, various things, just one finger. Yes, uh, one part of the body affects the whole body. That's the theme of our text this morning as we continue our study through 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul was the founding pastor of the church in that city of Corinth, and he wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians, to correct the misunderstandings that were going on in that church, to, to correct their failure to be the light of Christ in their dark world. And there's a lot we can learn from these inspired words 
of the Lord. One of the problems that the church had, we've addressed many of them, but one of the problems they had was a fixation with certain spiritual gifts. Uh, so some of the people in the church were very proud of, the, of these spectacular gifts that they had from the Lord, and, and others in the church felt very unimportant because they didn't have a spectacular gift. And so Paul spends three chapters of this letter, chapter 12, 13, and 14, addressing this problem, correcting this attitude about spiritual gifts and instructing the church. And we began this section of Scripture last week, and now we continue in chapter 12, verse 12. And, and here, Paul begins to use the human body to illustrate just how important every single one of us is. Now, there are two questions that are answered here. One, how do you become part of the body of Christ? Take a moment to answer that question, a few moments. But the other question is, why are you part of the body of Christ? It's going to take a little bit more to deal with that. So, how do you become part of the body of Christ? Why are you part of it? Um, and then, once we answer those two questions, I will share a blunt truth with you. And this blunt truth might make some of you sad, may, might make some of you mad, it might make some of you glad. Some of you will be indifferent, I can't help that. But a very blunt truth that I want to share from this passage. So let's deal with that first question as Paul does how do you become part of the body of Christ? So we pick up verse 12. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. So Paul talks about this connection, this gathering, this this partnership in Jesus that does not happen at birth, does not happen when we are born into this world. You are joined to Christ when you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3 when he said, you must be born again. He said, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of the Spirit. That's John 3. So there must be this spiritual rebirth. That's what Paul is referring to here, and that happens when you turn from your sin to the Savior. It happens when you receive what God the Father has done for you, is offered to you, that out of his great love, God the Father sent his perfect Son into this world to rescue all who believe. And on the cross, Jesus died in my place, taking the punishment for my sin, was raised to life the third day, defeating sin and death. And through faith in Christ alone, you are reborn by the Spirit. You become part of Christ. You become members of His body. And you're forever joined to Him. You're now a temple of God. God lives in you by His Spirit. You, you're immersed. You're in Christ. You're immersed in the Spirit. You're, you're saturated by the Spirit. So when somebody asks you, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? The answer for every Christian is yes. Yes. 
So if you are in Christ, that's the, that's the answer. You, you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And it doesn't make any difference, Paul says, what your ethnic or social origin is. It doesn't make any difference. There's no divisions among those who belong to Christ. Everyone is baptized by the same Spirit into one body, no matter your cultural background or your life situation or your language or your ethnicity. And so we could define it this way, that the body of Christ is a diverse group of people who belong to the same Lord, who trust in the same Savior, who are drenched with the same Spirit. And so if that is who you are, then the New Testament pattern is for you to join together in a local, visible expression of the church. And that diverse group of people gathers for worship and for uh, equipping and for service and for ministry. And why do we do that? Why are you part of the body of Christ? That's the second question. That's what Paul deals with more fully. So why are you part of the body of Christ? I looked at a study done by a major corporation about why people join the military. I thought of, I look at things like this. And they did the study and I, I, was, I was amazed at how far down the list some of the Question, the answers I thought would be, the, the first two kind of surprised me. The first two reasons, top reasons by, by far why people join the military. Adventure travel and economic benefits. So number one is, I want to have an adventure. I want to travel the world. And number two is, I want a security in my job. I want health benefits. I want to know that I have employment, paycheck. So I, I'm Frankly, I was thinking if I was on the battlefield and the guy next to me was, this is exciting, I can't wait to travel again. The other guy's going, I hope I get paid tomorrow. That's, I would rather have some people who had some different motivations around me, perhaps. Um, those are pretty self-focused. And we can have that same approach when it comes to being part of the local church. What does it do for me? What's the point? Where's the benefit for me? Now, Paul addresses this in three ways. And he tells the Corinthians that, number one, you're an intentional part of the body of Christ. Number two, you're an interdependent part of the body of Christ. And number three, you are an individual part. So that's our text. We're going to go through that and see how Paul speaks to each of those issues about why you're part of the body of Christ. So first of all, you're an intentional part of the body verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. So let me say that if you are in Christ, you must never think, they don't need me. They don't need me. You never think that. Now some in the Corinthian church felt that since they didn't have a particular gift, they didn't count. They felt second class. They felt left out. They felt as if they didn't belong. And they were treated that way by others in the church. But let me underscore that no matter what anyone says about you, or even if you yourself feel insignificant, you are in fact very significant. You're an intentional part. That, that your part in the body of Christ 
has been determined by God himself. He has placed you where he wants you to be. This is how God chose to build his church. His architectural plan puts you there. Very strong words here about God has arranged this. There's a construction term here. His will, his will is also mentioned, that his determination, just as he wanted, he willed them to be. This is the will of God. He will determine your giftedness and how it fits into his purposes. So any impression that you're not important or that you're not necessary denies who God made you to be. If you are in Christ, you must never think, they don't need me. Second, you're an interdependent part of the body of Christ. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So if you are in Christ, you must never think, I don't need them. I don't need them. You must never think, I don't need them. Some Corinthian Christians had this elitist attitude that they were so gifted that others weren't that necessary. Or they felt so qualified that they would best function alone. I don't know about you, but there was a point in my life where I felt, well, I'm the guy I can trust to get this done. I know I can make this happen. Therefore, I'm going to do it. And there, at least I could count on me. Or if I was going to disappoint, it would only be disappointing me, right? So it took me a, a long time to, to learn how to delegate and to entrust others with ministry and responsibility and how important that is. Uh, and that's the, that was the thing that the Corinthians were struggling with. And Paul says, you need each other. The church will not function properly when any members of it are ignored or regarded as less useful or less valuable than others. There's no place in the church to look down on others or or see anyone as less than because you need each other. You're interconnected. John Wesley said there's no such thing as solitary Christianity. The church is incomplete unless all of us operate interdependently. If you are in Christ, you must never think, I don't need them. So banish that thought from your mind, just as much as you should banish, they don't need me. See, the truly spiritual person is able to realize just how valuable each part of the body of Christ is. That brings us to the third point that Paul makes, and that is that you are an individual part of the body. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. So Paul 
affirms that each member belongs to the entire body, yes, but that doesn't erase your individuality. It doesn't. You are unique, just as the Disney Channel or others would tell you. You're unique. But this is the Word of God speaking about your actual uniqueness in Christ. You, don't, you lose your individuality. You have a contribution to the welfare of all. Why, why are you so individual? Because the Spirit of God has given you one or more spiritual gifts, and when mixed with your personality, when mixed with your background, when mixed with your circumstances, it makes you absolutely unique. No one else can replace you exactly. That's why God puts you where He determines He knows exactly where you're needed to be. And then Paul gives another partial list of gifts that belong to the church. It's a partial list, again. And he enumerates the first three. In the Greek, it says first, second, third. So does this mean that these first three, apostles, prophets, and teachers, are the most important ones? Absolutely not. That would go against the entire point he's been making throughout here. No, this is not about these are the top three most important gifts. No, this is about chronological priority. Chronological priority. In other words, if you look at Ephesians 2.20 that says the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. So through the apostles and prophets, God revealed his truth, his word. They testified to his truth. That's why we, they gave us the written revelation of God. That's the foundation, the revealed word of God, the apostles and prophets on which we built, and, and that word being taught. So first, the gospel is proclaimed. Second, the church is planted. Third, God's word is taught. And then only after this, only after those three chronologically important gifts, can all the rest of the spiritual gifts come into play. It's only after the apostles and the prophets and the teachers have done their work that the rest of the spiritual gifts have any reason to operate. And so that's when the other gifts of mighty power and healings and setting direction and organization come in. And again, Paul mentions the gift of tongues, which does not appear in any other gift list in the New Testament outside of 1 Corinthians. Why? Paul talks a lot, about, a lot about it here in these chapters because it was at the heart of the problems in Corinth. It's the gift that caused the most friction in that church, so he addressed it a lot. And Paul only gives this list so he can make this point, that not a single one of these gifts is given to everyone. Not a single one. He, every one of these questions he asks is rhetorical and expects a no answer. Are all teachers? No! Do all the gift of miracles? No! It's a no answer. And that makes each one of us individually important. Now Paul ends this chapter by saying that even though you eagerly want to have these high-profile gifts, I'm going to show you the best of all, and that's love. That's where he spends chapter 13. That's where we go next week. Love being priority over all of these things so here's the answer to why you're part of the body of christ if you belong to jesus because you are uniquely vital to the mission that's why i would trust that every single one of you who says you belong to jesus 
who put your faith in Christ alone, that you would understand this truth, that you are uniquely vital to the mission. Whatever part or however many parts you take up in that mission, we're all different. We're all uniquely gifted, and God has used us in many ways. Just, I just want you to think through just some of the things that are needed, some of the people that are needed in this room to carry out a worship service. Just a, just a few of them. Let's think of camera operators, which have become even more important in the last year or so. We have Jeff back there on the camera, and we, we could use some more camera operators, surely. We have a video producer, Tony, and a video switcher, I think it's Kara or Beth this morning. They're in that blast-in booth there for protection, maybe, but they're in that booth back there. Those are the, the camera operators, the, the, the video producer. That, those are the eyes of our worship service, so to speak, the eyes of the body. And we could use more. And uh, as Tony, Mike Newton and Tony Walker say, we, we train. You have an interest in that? We train. Uh, and then our, our audio engineers, today it's uh, Troy and, and Bob is on lights and uh, they're not protected back there, but that, that's where they are. And they're, along with uh, Lael, our, our great translator, they're the, the ears of our worship service. The instrumentalists, the vocalists, they're the mouth, the body. And I know it looks like sometimes the stage is full of people here and we have all kinds of folks running around doing many different things and it might look like, well, that's all covered. Well, no, we could always use more. We could always use those whom God is calling to be part of that aspect of ministry. We could, we could use some more drummers, specifically. And that's not to mention areas like children's ministry that we heard about earlier, welcome ministry, or the eventually the return of coffee service out there. We'll need some volunteers for that. And all the other things. The health of the body means doing your part. You are uniquely vital to the mission. Now, the illustration of the body that Paul gives here is a good one, and we all know it. And I, I want to bring something to your attention that you might not be aware of here, because this illustration had very special significance for the Corinthians. You see, there was a local temple to Asclepius in Corinth. Asclepius was the, the god of medicine, the Greek god of medicine. And, and this uh, drawing was of uh, the largest Asclepius temple that has been uncovered by archaeologists, and this is an artist's rendering of that. And what I, I just want to show it because there's something that they uncovered there that I found uh, extraordinarily interesting. There were nine accessibility ramps into this temple. They're way ahead of their time. Why? Because this is the God of healing. And so the disabled need to be able to get there. And, and people would come and sacrifice to this God looking for healing. Now, uh, look at some of the things that were uncovered in this temple. These are terracotta body parts. The building, the temple, was filled with dismembered body parts made of clay. Here's another museum collection from those who brought... These are things brought to the temple of Asclepius. You say, well, what, what's this about? Hands, feet, arms, legs, breasts, genitals, ears, eyes, heads, intestines... 
What's this about? Well, these are replicas of human anatomy as offerings to Asclepius. So here's an up-close look of some of the ones that I can put on screen. Um, what was happening was that the giver was either asking this God to, to heal that body part, or they were bringing that body part as a thank you offering for the healing. It was called ex voto, out of vow, because of vow. And the most common anatomical parts in the temple were eyes, noses, ears, feet, legs, arms. And the temple was filled with them. And so when Paul used this illustration, the, the Corinthians would immediately picture all those detached body parts in the pagan temple. And as one scholar said, believers would have been reminded in the most vivid terms of what they should not be. Divided, dead, disconnected members of the body. Now in a few moments, we're going to officially welcome 22 new members into this church. Church membership is a significant thing, especially in light of Paul's words. Your translation of the Bible might, might use the word member when it refers to the parts of the body here. That, that's what it's about. That, that's saying that church membership is about as an individual believer. Yes, your trust is in Christ, and you're saying, I choose to connect with this local expression of the body of Christ. You're saying, I'm attached here so that I can play the part God has for me in his mission to the world. Now here's the blunt truth. No one is fully following Jesus when detached from the rest of the body. A person who is disconnected from the local church, who is not active in a visible expression of the church, is not fully following Jesus. I'm not saying you're not a believer if you're not connected to a local church. No, this isn't about salvation. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's the only means of salvation. But when it comes to being obedient to Jesus, when it comes to being more like Jesus, that cannot fully happen apart from the local church. It can't. Now, it's different when detachment is not something that you have any control over when your health prevents you or your age limits you and your active engagement in the local church but otherwise you are like a disembodied ear or hand laying on the floor unable to function as god chose you to function you're depriving the local church of of the gifts that god has given you for the common good you're depriving yourself of the gifts you need from others to become more like jesus and i've read a lot of different uh, studies and articles about how the pandemic has and will affect the church going forward. And one of the things that they, they like to survey is, is you know, how will this impact church attendance after the pandemic is over? And, and one of the most recent surveys in March by Lifeway, a huge organization, is the, by far the most optimistic of all. I don't know why they're so optimistic, but that's what the survey found. It said that 90% of those who are attending church before will return to in-person worship once the, the pandemic is over. Most other surveys said that that number will be about 50% of those who used to attend, only 50% will return 
in person again. But let me tell you, attendance is not what matters. Attendance is not, you know what matters? Attachment. Engagement. Being part of the body of Christ. Attendance brings virtually nothing to what God has designed for the body. But attachment is what it's all about. This is a body, a visible expression of Christ in this community. And you will not be all God purposed you to be apart from the rest of the body. I need you to help me become more like Jesus. And believe me, i got a long way to go. And each of you needs the rest of you to become more like Jesus. See, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the architect of the church. And we are a visible expression of what you are building. Lord, empower us to be your people in this place that every one of us who names your name would take up the part that you have assigned for us. That we may bring you glory in this day and age, that we may be your light in a dark place. We pray this in the powerful name of the only Savior, Jesus. Amen.
It's my privilege this morning to introduce our uh, new members, and so if you have just completed the membership class, we'd love to have you come on up here to the front. If you'd spread out here in the front, so I know there's several of you, I saw you coming in, so come on forward. Come on down. As they are coming down, and just uh, stay here on the floor, and if you don't mind taking off your mask so they can see your faces as well. Um, and. Uh, 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 
To be a member at Cypress Bible Church, there's a couple of things we ask you to do. One is to attend a membership class. Uh, the second thing is to uh, uh, meet with a couple of our leaders just to affirm your faith in Christ and also to affirm your commitment to Cypress Bible Church. And then the third thing is, is that uh, it's an opportunity for you to make a commitment. Uh, there's three things we ask our members to commit to. To gather regularly for worship. Uh, the second thing is to grow together by being part of either a grow a group or a grow class. And the third thing is to be a part of our efforts to reach the people across the street and across the world for the sake of the gospel. And all of these people here today have made that commitment. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to introduce them. Uh, time does not us allow us to give you the opportunity to really get to know them. Uh, there is a flyer. Most of you picked this up on the way in. That gives you a little bit of information about them. It's very succinct. Tells you how they expressed how they came to know Christ and tells you what their areas of ministry either involvement or interest is. And so we encourage you to do that. For those of you who are watching online, you can go to More About CBC. That's a link at the very top of the page. Click on that, and then there will be a place that says membership information. And you click on that, and there's an opportunity then to click and see their stories as well. But I'm just going to read their names. And if you wouldn't mind, if you would raise your hand so they can identify you in the group if you happen to be here. And not all of our people are here this morning, but a good number of them are. So our first member is Amy Banks. Next we have Elaine and Asia Chamberlain, and I don't think they're here today. Uh, Tony Jones is over here, and welcome Tony. Uh, Luke and Blythe Kirkwood are over here as well, and we welcome them as well. Uh, and then we have Joni uh, Leatherman, and she's right over here. Uh, Josh and Katie McGregor over there. Turn the page. And then Brandon and Susan McKee. Uh, Russ and Bonnie Moncrief. Uh, David Othold. Kim Penson. Dylan and Shelby Sherry. I don't think I saw them come in yet. Uh, David and Andrea Steenstra. Uh, Frank and Carmen Zuhl. And not to be confused with Frank the Sun Zuhl. So, and that's... He's there as well. So we welcome them. We welcome all of you as members, and we look forward to getting to know some of you. Many of you we do know, others of you as the congregation is as well. And so we encourage you also to be uh, praying for them and encouraging them along the way. Let me, let me pray for them as they uh, continue their venture here at Cypress Bible Church. Lord, I thank you for each of these lives. Lord, I thank you for how you have drawn them to yourselves, some at a young age and some at a more mature adult age. And Lord, that you have brought them here to this body to serve and be a part of us. And Lord, we are very thankful for that. We are thankful for the gifts, the talents, the abilities that you have, uh, that they have, and that they, uh, through the grace of the Spirit and through your provision, and Lord, how they will utilize that here. So Lord, we ask for your guidance and your grace and your blessing in their life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you welcome our new members here? And uh, welcome. Uh, one last thing. If you would like to become a member, we actually just happen to have had a membership class uh, scheduled for next week. You can sign up at the Grow booth out in the foyer. I'll be happy to have you sign up. And that will be next Sunday. John? I invite you all to stand and let me close with benediction here on uh, us as a, as a church. Lord, you've declared that now we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So now, Lord, send us forth by one spirit, through one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
to be your people in this place. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Go in peace.